Welcome to the South Canaan Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Morning. You, uh, men, have you ever had your wife leave for the weekend and you realize you are woefully inadequate? around the kitchen and and all those kinds of things. I believe we've discovered that we are woefully inadequate without our brothers Bruce and Leslie in terms of getting all of the the AV up and running in a timely manner. So we are thankful for them and thankful for our brethren that that worked hard this morning to get everything going. The uh, discussion for the morning, and we want to welcome you that are on uh, Zoom and Mixler again. Thank you for joining us today. Is, Is purpose. And if you'll recall a few... Uh, weeks back, uh, maybe a few months back now, uh, Jordan Winslow, Jordan Dancer, and uh, Dustin Gaskins had a uh, little mini-series uh, on the image of God. And I kind of want to do a takeoff on that just a little bit uh, today, in that God created us in His image. Therefore, we have a purpose. We have a reason for being. We have a reason why are we here? Now, I don't intend to uh, uh, answer that, that question in full because I think it's broader than, than, than the 50 minutes that my brother so generously gave me this morning, and I, I, I hope I don't take that. But So I want you to add, think about this question, why am I here? This has been discussed, this has been written about, poems, songs, um, books have been written about this for, for many, many years. Why am I here? But I want you to think about just how few happy, contented people there are in this world, in this country, in this town, maybe in this room, despite wealth, maybe fame, accomplishments, despite all the things that you would think, you know, once I attain that, then I will be happy, contented, peaceful, you know, all those kinds of things. And I, I, I think it's because we have, to, to quote an, an, another uh, author, we have our ladder leaned against the wrong wall. We're climbing the ladder of success, but we're climbing up the wrong wall in, in many cases. You see, our purpose is something bigger. As Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, everything under the sun is vain. Everything under the sun is, is in other words, empty. That there's more to life than just stuff, wealth, accomplishments, fame, whatever else it, it, it is uh, that, that you ha- feel is the, the answer or is the, the goal. Alexander the Great is said to have wept because there were no more worlds to conquer. Alexander the Great was one of the greatest military, military histori- uh, not historians, but military leaders of uh, in history, and historians continue to study him, and my understanding, Brother Chris, is that his tactics are still studied in war college and, and, and things like that. Great military um, and really political leader. Dead at 32. Perhaps he was poisoned. That's one of the, the things that uh, is, is postulated about his death. You know, the world says the more you take, the more you have. But I believe Jesus says the more that you give, the more that you are. God created man in the beginning. 
Genesis 1 and 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them, mankind, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In fact, in Genesis chapter 5, uh, verse number 2, it says that he created them and called them Adam. In the King James, other translations call it mankind. Adam and Eve were made in God's image to be representatives and to fulfill his purposes on earth. And I believe we are the same. We are to be his representatives and we are to be to, to fulfill his purposes on earth. Look at this. Colossians 1. He, talking about Christ, Paul here is writing, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. We learn from the first book, uh, the, the, the first chapter in the book of John, that Jesus was there and Jesus was the one, the word of Jesus spoke the creation into existence, showing this this. This triune Godhead, this, this God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, we're all there. Let us make man in our image, as we just read there in Genesis chapter 1. We were created, and Jesus is the image of the invisible God. But why did God create them, Adam and Eve, and us? Well, Notice God's nature. We learn from 1 John chapter 4 that he who does not love does not know God. If you don't love, and that doesn't mean about a, that's not a feeling, that's about action. But if you don't love, you don't know God because, or for, God is love. And that God's very nature is love. And that's seen throughout Scripture. In fact, as we're studying the book of Isaiah on Wednesday nights, we're going to see love in, in terms of God trying to call his people back to him and saying there's a consequence if you don't. There's blessings if you do, consequences if you don't. Just like any good parent. Consequences if you don't do what you're told to do, but blessings if you do. Benefits. You see, God created man to show and share in his love. God made Adam as, as close as possible to himself so that Adam could love him fully. There was a special relationship between Adam and Eve and God. God walked with them in the garden. He was with them in, in, in presence. But once sin entered the world, everything changed. It put a rift between us and God. And that rift is our sin. Not that's imputed to us from Adam. We don't carry Adam's sin. We've committed our own. We've done our we've walked our own way, as Paul says in many places in Romans, chapter 3, chapter 6, and other places. You see, man was created from dust, as, as the Bible calls it. And we often think of that as dirt. Well, it may have been dirt. But it may have just been atomic particles making something out of nothing, making mankind, 
humans, man and male and female, out of nothing, bringing it together. And God gave Adam the breath of life, the spark, the spirit, a living soul. And he created male and female. In fact, it was recognized that the male was alone and needed a companion. Look at Genesis chapter 2. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. The King James calls it meet, M-E-E-T, meaning appropriate or fitting or comparable. Each of their strengths, Adam and Eve, male and female, complemented one another and therefore created a better representation of the image of God. The strengths of one, the strengths of the other, the, the, the softness of one, the, the leadership of, of another. And I'm not talking about just males having leadership and females only having the, the compassion because it goes, it goes both ways. We see that in Jesus. And we'll talk about that a, a bit more. We see this compassion on the part of Jesus. We see nurturing on the part of Jesus, taking care of, of people, children, those in need, even his own disciples. But he was a strong leader as well and would take to task people who were not following his, uh, his father's will, not following his father's word. You see, I think a very important aspect is that God created men and women Adam and Eve and all of us to be like Himself in so many ways. Perfect as God is? No. Infallible as God is? No. But that relationship that God had with Adam and Eve was indeed special. But sin changed the relationship. You know, the tragedy of Adam and Eve is that they violated their one restriction. Don't eat of the fruit of this tree. Later on, Eve, in, in her discourse with, with the serpent, she starts talking about all kinds of things that, that we don't see in Scripture. Don't even touch it. You know, all these different things that she's doing to kind of modify um, maybe perhaps even mollify the Word of God. But there were consequences. God said, don't eat of it lest you die. But the consequences were actually even broader than that. While work was something that was given to Adam and Eve, hard work was a consequence of the fall. Thorns, Thistles. You see these green things that are growing outside? That's not grass. Them's weeds. That's, in my opinion, part of the fall. Part of the consequences of the fall. Part of the, the issues that we have with growing food crops and the like. It's difficult. Eve would have pain in childbearing. The serpent would crawl on its belly. We had expulsion from the garden. A, a removal from the direct relationship with, with God. We had, uh, of course, death. But 
the image of God was marred. It was affected. Not the image of, of God in heaven, but the, his, his image on earth, His manifestation on earth was marred. It was changed. You might even say that Adam and Eve lost their purpose at that point. But notice here what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Let me go back one verse. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. God wants to reconcile us to Himself. He wants to repair the relationship. You say, well, what does that have to do with our purpose? Think about it. What is your purpose? In part, your purpose is this ministry of reconciliation of yourself and others to God. Not that we're working our way into a reconciliation, but we are taking advantage of the reconciliation. We're taking advantage of the sacrifice that's been made on our behalf and telling others about the same thing that's available. All of us are evangelists. It's not just the responsibility of those that carry that title, if you will, in the Lord's church, that have that, that role and responsibility. It's all of our responsibilities, even those of you in the audience that are asleep as we speak. You see, note the compassion of God. Note the compassion on all of us. Now, as we're studying again through the book of Isaiah, we see some very harsh things that are said about and uh, th that befall the children of Israel, the Hebrews. Some very difficult things taken into captivity, which, you know, sounds like one thing. I want you to think about, um, I don't know, pick a country, North Korea marching into the United States, putting us on ships and taking us back to that wonderful country of North Korea. I mean, I can go on and get more graphic, but there, there's consequences, right? And God has every right to do that. God has every right to allow that to happen, even in our lives. Why? Because we have violated His Word. We have considered His uh, offer, His Word, His sacrifice to be worthless. We have done that, all of us in our lives, including me. But note the compassion. When Adam and Eve both chose to minimize the Word of God, they listened to that serpent say, you'll not surely die. Because he knows when you eat of it, you'll be like him. You'll, you'll be knowledgeable like him. Look, they were made in the image of God. And they minimized his Word. And they disobeyed a specific command. I don't think any of us in this room, any of us listening uh, on, on the internet today, can say that we haven't minimized His Word and disobeyed His direct command. But the steadfast love of God, notice what He says here, 
or what he did in Genesis chapter 3. And they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? I, I point this out because God could have closed the door right then and there. He didn't have to come into the garden. He didn't have to come into their presence. He didn't have to do any of the things you say. Well, well, he he punished them. He, you know, you just talked about it—the hard work and the childbearing pain, la la la, all those things that happened. Yes, but he didn't throw them away. He did not throw them away. He came to be with them in the garden. He made animal skins for their clothes. Perhaps that's a uh, a shadow of animal sacrifices to come down the road. Perhaps. He predicted the, the, the coming one in Jesus. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. We won't go into all of the, the prophecy that, that, that's, uh, that's contained in, in this passage, but he's talking about Jesus and his relationship with sin and death. What God did for us through Jesus, he came to be with us. Emmanuel. God with us. He dem Jesus demonstrated the nature of His compassion in His coming. And just a few verses on that. Matthew chapter 9. But when He, Jesus, saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. I have compassion on the multitude because they have continued with Me three days and have nothing to eat. And he arose and came to his father. But he, when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and fell and, uh, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. This is, of course, about the prodigal son, the wayward son. And the, the story is the, about the father looking down the road for the son to come back, looking for him to come, looking, looking, looking. And finally, when he did, the father went running toward him. All pictures of the beauty and the love of God pursuing a relationship with you. All pictures of Him wanting to reconcile the relationship. God wants to restore His family. He does not want us to be separated from Him. He does not want to, to punish or to have a rift of any kind in His, in his family. It's hard to believe just how much God wants to be with us. Wants to be with me. Why does He want to be with me? What, is, what do I have to offer? What do you have to offer? Why are you here? It's because you're made in the image of God. You are valuable. You are loved. You are worth it. You are worth the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for the Father to send His Son not into a period of time when there's air conditioning, flush toilets, and sliced bread, but a time when it was very difficult. Life itself was not easy. The, the religious tone of the time, the political tone of the time, all these things going on, He sent Jesus into that environment for our benefit. For mankind's benefit from Adam 
till the end of the world, including us here today. You see, the Father came to Adam and Eve in the garden, even after their sin. He came to Moses in the form of the burning bush and spoke to him. He came to Abram and spoke to him and made a promise to him and to his seed. He came to Israel in Egypt and in the wilderness, guided them with a pillar of fire in the day. He came to them and gave them food out of nothing. He came to us as the Son. God came to us, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God sent His Son, Emmanuel, the Word became flesh and was with us, mankind. It also came in the form of, of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We've done that very thing today, inviting the Spirit into our lives. God the Father with us, God the Son with us, God the Holy Spirit with us, all manifestations of God's love. Jesus does not want to condemn, but He wants to lovingly restore our lost image, our marred image, our damaged image, Jesus can restore. He wants to restore and remind you of your purpose. Note, note what Jesus said about His purpose. He said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Does that sound like what we read earlier in 2 Corinthians about the ministry of reconciliation? Yes, that was Jesus' ministry was reconciling us, mankind, to the Father. How? Through the bridge of His blood. That's how He did it. That's what He came to do. Now, let's go back to our question earlier. Change it a little bit. Why did God make you did He make you so that you could be the best technician? Did He make you so that you could be the best academic? The very best manager, teacher, rancher, whatever your role is, mother, father? Is that what He made you to do? I would submit no. I would submit through your role now and whatever your roles are in the future that in that role you are a part of the ministry of reconciliation. You are part of showing God's love to the world through your different roles. Some of you have direct influence and, and impact on people every day. Some of you work with, with little people. Some of you are teachers or, or in, in the daycare business. Some of you are, are working with, with, with customers. You're working with students. You're, you're working with older people. You have opportunities to show God's love and participate in that ministry 
of reconciliation. You see, we're not here just for earthly success. We're not, we're not put on this earth to play basketball or whatever it is that we do. We're not some cruel joke of God. Ha ha, watch the marionettes. No. Solomon said this of our purpose. After he, he spends this, um, you know, roughly 12 chapters, as we call them today, writing about and talking about the vanity, as we talked about earlier, that he looked for it in all different ways. Education and, and physical and food and, and understanding everything about architecture and engineering and botany and all these different things that he studied. He said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. Fear, respect, revere. For this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. We are here to be representatives of God in this world. How good of a representative are you? We're here to bear the likeness and the image in it because of the perfecting blood of Jesus, not because of our good name, our, our family name, or our reputation, or the fact that our family goes uh, back in the church six generations. God don't care about that. That's cool, but God don't care about that. What He cares about is you and your relationship with Him and how you are representing Him on this earth. Are you a good representative? Am I a good representative? Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Wow. These, these were fishermen and um, day laborers. These were, these were common, untrained, uneducated men. And, and when they heard what they were saying, they were like, wow. They have been impacted by Jesus. They've been with Him. They saw that it made a difference. We are here to live out God's purposes. I've got one final passage of Scripture. Colossians 3. Therefore, as the elect of God, that's you, that's me, holy and beloved. Now, we could build an entire sermon around those two words, holy and beloved. Loved by God and made holy by the blood of Jesus. Therefore, as this description of you, you are the elect of God, holy and beloved. There's other descriptions, but that's what Paul's talking about here. Therefore, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, 
put on love, which is the bond of perfection. This is not easy. And there are other passages that are similar to it we find in Peter other other places. This is not easy because it requires us to take a step back and, and say, no, my identity is not my name, my position, my wealth, my education, whatever it is that you can hang your hat on, as they say. My identity is as the elect of God. My identity is that as of a child of God. My identity is for others to see that I have been with Jesus. As we just saw Peter and John, the, 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 the people around them saw that and marveled. Jesus walks with us to take away our sins and to empower us to live as God has directed. We're not alone. We're not by ourselves. We have one another. We have His Word. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have all of these things working in concert along with the presence of the Lord so that we may live out His purpose in our lives. If there's anything that we can do for you this morning, we can pray with you and for you. If you have not been baptized and put on the name of Christ, then this description, elect of God, holy and beloved, does not describe you. But it easily can. If you will submit yourself to the Lord, submit yourself and say, yes, I want to be a child of God. I want to confess that I have not walked the way that He has asked me to. That these things do not describe me. That I have minimized the Word of God. I have maximized me. And I have disobeyed God. That confession brings us to the point where we need to obey in baptism. We need to be immersed in water for the remission of our sins. Not because we're cleaning the, 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 the body, but because we are giving an answer to God that says, yes, I depend on the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse me from my sins. And then for us to walk in a new way, in newness of life. If that relationship doesn't describe you, if that's not what you have with God, we can begin that process today. If your relationship with God has been broken, not because He walked away, but because we have, we can repair that. John tells us that we can ask for forgiveness, and He is faithful to forgive us. Will you do that? As we sing this song. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com normanchurch.com normanchurch.com